domain. 35 years ago, you started as a driver for pizza company. Mm -hmm. Today, I'm sitting in your office mm -hmm. where you're CEO of a company that has 3,421 pizza stores in yep. 10 different markets. Yep. You're CEO of the company that has a market cap about $5.2 billion today. Mm -hmm. You're a pure example that you can start from the bottom and with hard work, persistence, me sitting in your office today talking to CEO of Dominus, mm -hmm. which is a big journey. Yep. So looking back now, yep. first question that I have for you, do you ever take a moment yep. and sit back and say to yourself, we have done well, Don, mm. and it's been a long and hard, successful journey. Mm. Well, there's moments when I do, but the, the interesting thing about A, being a public company, and B, for me, um, I'm one of those people that results have already happened and I'm always striving, and so I always have to remind myself to find moments to celebrate because it's not my natural instinct, in fact, when we say we we're $5.2 billion today, we were $12 billion this time last year. Yes. So, you know, obviously I'm sitting here going, yes, I'm proud that we're a $5.2 billion company, but we're also, um, you know, not valued where we should be and where we're going yes. as a business. And so a bit of a hard marker, if that makes sense, that yes. I'm always saying, um, yes, let's recognise great things that are going on in our business. Let's recognise really good people doing incredible things. But me personally, I'm a really... Uh, Tough on myself constantly. So you constantly, obviously, want to keep growing yeah, yourself get, as an individual with the company too. Yeah, and and you know, always having to reinvent yourself. You know, over thirty-five years, the world's changed a lot, and it's changing more now than ever. Constantly, and and you know, the last three years of the pandemic, now and crazy inflation around the world, and all these sort of things. Um, you know, labor shortages all over the world. So, looking at yourself as a leader when you're running. You know, when I was managing one pizza shop to then being a, you know, a franchisee at one point or operations director to then you're a CEO of one country, then two countries. And then you're now going to the other side of the world, to Netherlands. Ten France. different markets. Ten, well, 13 in the next few weeks. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, we'll be just under 3,800 stores. Um, so what, how, how do you change to be your best self? Because as much as I'm still a, a sizable shareholder in our business, actually, I'm still an employee of the company. Yes. And at the end of the day, as a public company, I, I'm not here just to warm the seat because I was one of the founders of our business and so on. People expect results. You, of course. I always say if you, um, if you don't turn up to training, you shouldn't be expected to play the game. You know, you can't retire and stay in the seat. You've got to be a high performer or you should step aside and let somebody else step up. So, Which is interesting. Obviously, yep. you know, end of the day, um, uh, most capable people need to be in their own positions within their companies as well. Starting 35 years ago, mm -hmm. sounds like a long time, but 35 years goes really fast. It does I mean, I'm fast. 43 now, and I started my life journey in workspace when I was 16, and I have a feeling that yeah. it just goes so fast because mm -hmm. you're so focused on everything that you are doing. Starting from the bottom, really, where mm -hmm. you started, mm -hmm. You obviously kept growing with the business as well. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, in a lot of businesses, business can outgrow the person or person can outgrow the business. Mm -hmm. But with you, you constantly kept growing yourself as an individual. And mm -hmm. how important it is for all of us 
that we keep educating yeah. ourselves with the times. Yeah. Yeah, the minute you think that you know it all, the minute you think you, and, and maybe that's also my little bit of an answer to the last question, yes. is that the reason you think that you've now reached your peak, you're actually now going to decline. Correct. Because society's changing, business is changing, the people around you, your team are changing. You know, your yes. team, um, they go to bed tonight, they wake up tomorrow, they can sometimes come in a different way. Yes. So if you're not changing the way that you're growing and, and taking responsibility uh, for you know the things that are happening around you, then yeah, you should leave. I mean, you're scaling scaling any business. Mm. It's not easy. Mm. You know, it's not easy to get up to one million turnover with any kind of company, mm -hmm. then scaling it to ten million and more. Mm. Um, how did you manage, or how do you manage the growth mm. of the companies? Because there's so many people that are watching this, they obviously have existing businesses and they want to scale up. Mm. Um, and it is a lot of pressure to many individuals because a lot of individuals want to do everything. They want to micromanage. Mm. You clearly can't micromanage, mm. you know, 3,421 stores physically. Mm. How do you manage that? Yeah, it, look, it is all about the people. And it's one of the gifts that if you can learn that young enough, it's the goose that keeps laying the golden eggs forever. The more you invest time, uh, training, not even yourself directly, but even yes. getting that for your people, the more you, you, you attract the right attitude and mindset and then you shape and develop yes. that, it's the gift that forever gives. Because you know, if, if, if other individuals in the business that are leaders have that same hunger and that same passion, um, like individuals, and who are also pushing themselves as a high-performance individuals, then you start spinning out and replicating what you're doing in huge scale. Like you know, so the way our business runs today, um, so I, I might be the global CEO, but then I have a, a Europe CEO looking after six countries, yes. and APAC looking after now with the new market seven countries, and then underneath those you have individual CEOs and teams. And it's the, it's the ability that these individuals have that can do extraordinary things at scale. So when I look at my business, I still think of it as quite simple. Yes. You try to make sure that you don't overcomplicate. One of the biggest mistakes when people start growing their business, they get in the habit of running business for the sake of business, and they forget that they're in the business of products and services and customers. You know, the, the, the focus of a CEO, an entrepreneur, the, the, the drivers of business is to be constantly at the forefront of what they're selling. Correct. And as soon as you get away from that and you start just doing process and you're running head offices and you're wondering if there's coconut milk in the fridge and do we have enough gym classes today for our people to be happy and all sort of stuff. If you shift too much, you've got to have elements of, of good culture and, and great places to work. But where is your priority? Correct. And and the more passionate, like for example, I only an hour ago was in a product development session, you know, because that's what matters. Yes. The future products we sell at Domino's will, de will define um, the success, our sales, our profits, and so on. And if the boss doesn't care, then does the next person have the same passion? Do they just get in the thing of ticking a box and getting that product out into the next window because we need to have something to sell? And you can see the brand, you go and buy them. You, want, you look at this brand, you go, they've lost their way. I used to love that brand. Yes. When I grew up, there was you know, a fashion brand that was iconic in Australia, and I used to think it was really cool. It doesn't even barely exist today, and it's but, not cool. And that's a dangerous thing of any business. If you're not moving ahead with times today, mm. you can be really dead tomorrow. 
Mm. Um, interesting what you just said before, keeping things simple. Really simple. I think you, you know, a lot of us are, are guilty of overcomplicating mm. situations mm. that are in front of us, mm. specifically when you're scaling up. Quite often I always find myself in the past like a soccer player. And when you're playing a game of soccer, when mm. you actually play yourself, you're just running like a madman, passing the ball, you know, trying to defend every, everything. And my business personally started really growing when I stepped back mm. and started acting more like a coach or manager. Mm. And that way I can actually see my players and I can say, okay, you know, you're actually doing really well in this position, but I'm going to move somebody else from there or bring somebody from reserves. You see things different way. Uh, a lot of people find it more controlling um, and not being able to let go mm. and get other people that are capable to do their jobs as well. And I think obviously clearly you're doing that well mm. on international level to mm. be able to let go. And how difficult it is to let go and get somebody who's really talented mm. to expand. Mm. It, 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 look, it, when something's your baby particularly, it's yeah. really hard. As you get larger, you're not as, uh, you know, you don't physically own every little element of the business, so it probably becomes a little easier to see things for what they are. But when you're very close in the beginning, it, it's it's harder. Yes. The thing that I, one of the modern things is, is in management is always to say, you need to empower your people. And you're absolutely right, you need to empower your people. But you've also got to be, I use the Australian cricket team analogy, is the wolf at the front of the pack sets the pace for the rest of the pack. So. If you're going to empower people, still do deep dives. Make sure that you're helping to set the pace of the product development or the service or the, the energy uh, for the image of the, of the thing you might be about to launch. Show what high standards of challenging and the questions you should be asking or whatever, and then step back and watch does the behavior continue. Because what ends up happening, a lot of managers I know, they'll hire teams, um, and then those teams are responsible for things, and they haven't really dived into the understanding. So, if things aren't working, was it the team? Was it the right direction? Was it individuals? And they don't actually know. And, and then they it's... don't have a full understanding. And quite often, actually, mm. I follow you for many years. Uh, you seem to have understanding of everything that's happening within your business. It doesn't mean you're you know, finding out if there's enough milk in the fridge. Nope. But you do have understanding the product that you do have today. And I can actually, I've watched a lot of videos with you tasting the product you're actually eating your product all the time um uh, twice today true uh, story i'll I tell you something <laughs> that is true story um, there are people that are filming this in our office our head office is in, in Toronto, brisbane mm. we are actually having your pizza at least once a week for thank all you. of our staff there's about 50 staff thank you so i'm probably one of the one of the best customers when it comes thank to you. your business. You are. If you're buying uh, once a week, that's a good customer. Literally, literally. Um, uh, we always buy it for all of our staff. And thank there's you. And there's a, there's a um, uh, store very close by as well. Scaling up. It's good franchisee too, Tuong. They're good operators. Because I'm spending all the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. It's actually close to our office. And yes, the product is great. Otherwise, people like us wouldn't be yeah. going back there. And I think that's actually one of the keys to any growth of any business mm. to offer product good enough that people want to mm. call you again. Mm. Every and second again. pizza in Australia is a Domino's pizza sold today. You can't, it, people aren't going to buy that. For the, the other half, sometimes they, there may be people who say, no, no, I like to buy a gourmet this and stuff. And there is an audience that says, no, I want lamb with tatiki or whatever on it. Um, but if half of all pizza sold, you must, 
be doing, doing that. something good. Because people are Clearly. buying it. But at the same time, you can't take that for granted. You've got to keep reinventing it and keeping it fresh. Well, obviously, I've, you know, I've been eating Domino's pizza for a very long time. And I can say that it is changing, not mm -hmm. for worse or better, because we mm. keep buying it as well. Scaling up is, um, there's actually a good book called Scaling Up. Mm -hmm. um, scaling up any business, it's, it's not easy. Mm. What is one advice you would give to anybody that's, that's trying, that is starting today, mm. hopefully, or, or has existing business, and next 20 years, they mm. want to scale it? What is one yeah. piece of advice you can give all of us mm. to follow your footsteps because you clearly have experience mm. scaling anything up? So a couple of things about our model is, first of all, when, when, if you're doing international, the first thing we travel as is we don't travel as Australians. We travel as entrepreneurs with a business model. So that when we go into, say, Japan or France or Germany or a foreign country, you're not sitting in Germany going, in Australia, in Australia, in Australia, because yeah. everything outside is Germany. So why are you here? But if you talk, and therefore you're alienating, but if, but if you talk to a business strategy, in our case, we have a whole strategy called high volume mentality, which is very, very simplistically, is if you remove all the physical and mental barriers or bottlenecks in a business, sales and profits are exponential. What holds you back is either mental or physical. And we have to diagnose, you know, why, when we went to France, unsuccessful business, well, we don't sell alcohol. Okay, in the end, it wasn't most important. But it was a mental barrier. Correct. That they weren't selling alcohol, so we can't be successful. Okay, well, we're gonna do, what else, two or three things, we say we're gonna do those things. By yeah. the way, here's the three things we actually wanted to do, because that'll probably make a difference, right? Yeah. But, so first of all, high volume mentality and a way we think, and we, we're not traveling as nationalists, or, or from a culture of a certain nationality, we're traveling with business models. The second thing we do is we send missionaries. So originally, people who are indoctrinated in your philosophy of business, the, the way that we think, because if you're, if you're going to a new market, let's say you're a Brisbane operation going to Sydney, um, which is close compared to the distances we're traveling to do business, um, but if you have to, if you're so far away, how do you know that person? What are they telling you back? As they're, because uh, often when you have somebody external, so you go to a new market or a new country, you hire external people. They're not indoctrinated in your culture. And immediately they start telling you things about why the way you do in Brisbane or in Australia is different, right? And maybe they're right, but if you don't have a basis that they're indoctrinated in the first place in what you do know, then what happens if they're wrong? And, and so we always say that no one deserves to change the future until they can articulate why we do what we do in the past. As soon as you can articulate what you're going to change, and then, because you know why it exists, and now you're gonna change it, you have a, you know, of course we've got to innovate, we've got to innovate all the time. But innovation for the sake of innovation, and when you, it is actually can destroy a business, you're breaking right. the really good fundamentals of the business. So having a business model, we've been using it now for decades, called high volume mentality. It's a way to think, we do training classes. People who've already proven success with that model, travel with that, and, and that's not just Australians today, we've got Dutch people, so we've got the CEO of Japan is Dutch, the CEO of, uh, of uh, Taiwan is Dutch, the CEO of the new Malaysia, well, they're Dutch. Our first successful market were, were Dutch, so we were Australians traveling, we taught a team, and now that team's expanding, and soon there'll be other cultures moving around. Missionaries have a business model, and then some, some interesting philosophies about your values and purpose, um, and none of them say, in Australia, correct. Japan. None of them say. So you got to think of the global level as well. If you're going to be attacking really other markets in any possible way. 
and even Sydney and Brisbane. Like if you, when we first went to Melbourne, I was sitting in a coffee shop and they said, why is Domino's coming to Melbourne? We already have, there's 800 pizza shops here, they're great. And all and, individually probably on too. Yeah. <laughs> and I said to them, look, there is 800 individual pizza shops here. Melbourne is an independent pizza market, but I just want 80. Yeah. I believe there's a place to have a consistent, high value innovation. Because if you go to Gino, Gino's always does it that way. And maybe you like that. But I reckon we can challenge you with a better service, a better product, a better... And faster service. Much faster service, things like that. And then, and then we'll only get those customers if we earn them. But it is the natural instinct. Like, no matter where you travel, if you're from a place, you're disarming that. You're saying, but you're from Brisbane. They're different in Brisbane. I go, yeah, you're right. They are different. But let's talk about the business that we're going to create. In your town. In your town. Correct. Looking back now, Advice you would have for anybody that wants to start their own business, mm. any young individual, mm. because end of the day, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, not too mm -hmm. much. I started from somewhere mm. and you started from somewhere. And unfortunately, when I was starting, I didn't have another me mm. that can give me advice that can potentially help me specifically on mm. starting. Mm. What advice can you have somebody who is on that verge of, starting, but mm. I shouldn't, mm. I got a safety net. Yeah, look, there, there always has to be that day when you're gonna step over the line and take a risk. You can always, everybody around you can tell you why not to do something as well, right? Like in life, the reason entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs are rare compared to the general population is that from children we're, we're taught better to be safe than sorry. Correct. You have a good job, you're at university, you're doing this, that's, that's reassured of a, a reasonable life. The life you're trying to choose comes with a lot of pain. And even a parent sometimes, like I was lucky, I had a very supportive mum. Yes. She encouraged me to follow my dreams and so on. I wonder if I didn't have that mum. My dad was a, a, a businessman, but he was much more conservative. Yes. Why would you leave your university degree to work in pizza? Like that's pizza. Like you, you're going to be <laughs> a teacher and that's a much more secure degree and, and so on. So I do think you'd be a good teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as well. Yeah, well, to be a good leader, you've got to be a good teacher. Correct. Right? That's Correct. what you're doing today. Um, you know, that's part of what your motivation is as well. And, and so my first thing is that um, you're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to find. And so as you're on your journey, look for successful people. And it's the people around you. Look, I, I'm an existentialist. That means I believe I'm the product of my exposure, the people I surround myself, the events I experience in my life, the... The things I push myself to be and my effect of what comes from that, uh, that's what I believe. That's my own personal philosophy. So in that, I think entrepreneurs are more likely to be able to have that ability to take risk. And when you're young, you, you, you've got far, as long as it's not unsafe, yes, you're not going into something that's unsafe, um, or the, that you and personally are going to hurt somebody mentally or uh, financially to, to a bad, you know, if you're taking the risk, that's, that's okay. Because while you're young, you're going to learn. And there's no such a thing as a failing if you learn correct. to keep moving Yeah, correct. Because as you get older and you get more responsibilities and you have more team members that are in your company and more investors, you, you, you have more people to carry to your risk, right? It gets harder to take those big risks. Um, but when you're young, just keep stepping out there. Leaving a job, guess what? You can come back. Correct. You know what? Good people, the world's always looking for them. Whether there's 10% unemployment or 2% unemployment, the world is in search of talent. In every business. 
in every business. So if your worst case scenario is after trying to be an entrepreneur for five to 10 years, because I say don't give up after six months or one years or two years, if you're pushing right. and pushing and it doesn't work out and you're now in your late 20s, you can always go back to that more secure world of consistency. If that's the worst, hopefully that doesn't happen and eight years of learning, you're gonna be amazing um, if it takes that long, right? Um, like I have, uh, my son's an entrepreneur, he's only 20 and he's starting little businesses and stuff. And I just keep saying to him, the best thing here right now, because he always asked me, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't want to give you an opinion Correct. that could be wrong. Instead, I'm going to ask you the questions that you should be asking yourself because you're going to decide. You're, you're in businesses that I haven't been involved in, you know, with Web3 and all this sort of stuff. Um, but the best thing here is that the, the dedication you're giving to this, the amount of effort, you're working six days, seven days a week at the moment, you're really passionate about it, you're going to learn so much and none of it's a waste. And nobody can ever take the knowledge away from you. And you've got it uniquely because you were the one at the coalface. You were the one, you know, he launched a new website the other day, launched it, and on the day of the launch, they were too busy doing a blog, a, a webinar, and the website broke. And so all these people going to the website didn't get to you. He said, but he said, oh, what a learning. I said, what a learning. What a learning, exactly. <laughs> now, you can tell It'll it to be, somebody more else. careful probably the next time when he's doing it. And he really understands because he felt the pain. I can tell you something and you may not hear it if you haven't felt the pain of the learning, right? Or the, or the delight. The things that we really wire ourselves is to the most painful moments and the most exciting moments because we want to get the excitement back and we don't want to get mm. the pain in our life. So that's so embedded in us, it's innate. But I can tell you about it, but if you haven't felt either of those emotions. I always say, you know, I can talk about a glass of water mm. um, and I can tell you everything about it, but unless you try it yourself, you're never really going to feel the taste of what I'm talking about, full stop. Interesting thing that you said about parents. I always say a lot of parents, only advice that they give their children is what they know, mm. you know, because they don't know much better. Like mm -hmm. my mom was housewife all her life and dad was working for somebody all, all his life and it's mm -hmm. hard for them to say, hey son, go and be an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. do whatever you love mm -hmm. because they were used to the safety net. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for children that don't have mom, for example, like mm -hmm. yours that said, son, go for it. You know, they actually have to have that mental strength themselves to yeah. really listen to their own inner voice and go and do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not easy. But one thing for sure, life is too short. You know, we only have one life. We're not going to die or we're not going to live like dinosaurs. Even if you live like dinosaurs, we'll still be dead one day. Um, uh, and we don't really want to waste, Correct. you know, our time um, on this planet. What does never give up mean to one? Yeah, so I've never... All the big decisions I've made or taken the business on a journey, big risks, really batting out there. I've never been in that first moment where I didn't think, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've always lived through, in every big risk, there's been a moment either the night before or the first month or two months of living something where you went, I really, did I make a big mistake? But in that, the best self comes out. Yes. The hungry self comes out because regardless of all your success, this one big risk now could take it all away in potential, right? Now, maybe you've still got some other stuff yes, and yes. your reputation's still where it is. But right now, maybe it's coming to an end. And in that moment, the way you listen more than you've been listening recently, the way your brain innovates, the way you're with your teams and challenging things because now you're here. You can't step back in time. 
you've taken this giant step. You know, going to Europe the first time, we're a little Australian company and we're buying a business um, that is losing money in France and Netherlands and Belgium. And we arrive and the first month is July and it's a heat wave and people don't buy pizza in Europe when it's hot. So I just bought a business losing money and now it loses more in the first six weeks. And people eat pizza 11 p.m. at night time over there. <laughs> exactly. And so here I am thinking, oh my gosh, because everyone said, you're crazy, why are you doing this decision? Well, I mean, that business is carrying two and a half, three billion dollars in our value now and we paid 8.7 million originally for the, the original big business. So it's a very big difference. But I can tell you those first few months and even today, when parts of our business aren't working and we're talking to a shareholder and they're saying, don't you regret buying Japan? When we bought Japan, we had a little flat period. And I said, no, this is going to be a big business. We're, you know, we're, I can't promise you the results for next year right now because I can't. But you're thinking long term. And we're working on these things. And, and you know, those conversations, now Japan, you know, was supposed to be one day maybe 550 stores. Well, we're already at 940. It's going to be a 2,000 store business. You know, do I regret buying Japan? Not at all. Has it been hard? Has there been moments when you do second guess yourself? Like, is it possible? Is the Japanese consumer different? They maybe won't eat enough pizza. Yes, you go through that emotional roller coaster. By the sounds of it, you always look for solutions more than what problems am I facing? What solutions can I? Excuses. Implement? I always say we want a Viking mentality, not a farmer mentality. And that's nothing against farmers. Farmers are an essential part of me. My business lives with farmers, right? But in the, the mindset, a farmer isn't always in control of the weather. They're not in control of the government legislation. They're not always in control of the commodity prices that are in the market right now. So they're very much subject to third-party things. And that is the life of a farmer, right? A Viking takes what they need to take. They need the next hill, they take the next hill. They, they change the world around them to make success. And that's the culture we want, right? We want to be able to enter a business or face a problem with that sort of Viking mentality that we're gonna take that hill. What, what do we gotta do? You know, we've never done this before, but we've got a lot of smart people in the room. We've got a lot of good ways that we love to face problems together. And we're really good at making lots of decisions quickly. And if you make two decisions and they're both wrong, well, you fail, right? Um, but if you make 100 decisions, and 25 of them were successful, and you learned really quickly from the first 75. Going forward. And you got 25 wins. Correct. You're constantly going forward. There's two things that are really very clear here. Your energy mm. is contained. I feel like running back to my work after this meeting, <laughs> and, and I drove. And um, uh, how important is energy mm. for any leader mm. that is leading business, team, or people? Mm. Even, even if it's not, not every a great leader has to be physically energetic, but the expectations should be still energetic. There should be a high pace of movement um, in, the, in the way that you embrace things, right? So in a very, we, we employ nearly 100,000 people as a group. That's a lot of people. A lot of people. And you know, if we continue on our path, we'll be two, 300,000 people in the next 10 years. If you're gonna represent and you're trying to be the wolf at the front of the pack setting the pack, energy is a very contagious, very um, inspiring element. But it doesn't always have to be a rah-rah. Like I've got some really impressive CEOs and when you meet with them, they're a lot more calm and so on, but do not underestimate their expectations. And their strength. And their strength and their commitment and their drive. And so, of course, my own, it's my own style as well. I'm, I get attracted to very energetic people. I get inspired yeah. by energetic people. 
Um, the downside of my personality can be that people think that I think with I talk with conviction so much that I'm not prepared to take their opinion. Yes. So if I enter a room with my team, I need to have strong people around me. Correct. You say, Don, I just heard what you said, but I completely disagree, and now here's why. Because um, I'm going to listen to that. But if I'm in a room with sheep, they're just going, well, I disagree with Don, but I'm not going to tell him because he's just going to shoot me down real quick because he's got much sure. energy. So you'll see that most of my leaders that are around and team, senior team members, in fact, we were in this room just on Monday and you do the four personality quadrants and we were very, very heavily weighted to strong, driven, because, I, you know. And it's good to be challenged. 100%. Because we are not always right as well, individuals. Very often wrong. Make a lot of mistakes constantly. And yeah, you, you know, that, so this can be very, this can be a very uh, good way to drive a company and get people inspired, especially when you do have a strategy and you're going after it, very focused. The downside is you've got to make sure you have really strong people around you too, otherwise it can be so misconceived. Because otherwise you start taking people off the cliff. You're a bunch of lemmings just going over the cliff, right? And that's dangerous. What makes a good leader? Um, someone who takes responsibility for their actions and decisions. Um, a good leader surrounds themselves with great people, um, that they also uh, set the pace of, of work ethics in the business. You know, you don't have to work seven days a week, but when you're on, you're on, you're committed. So if you work four days, if you work three and a half days, five days, what? Well, you have to be committed. When you're there, you're fully on it, and that you are focused, you're not jumping all over the place. You know, you, 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 you get to a point and then you drive at that, and you're very consistent. When I've watched the great leaders that I've been inspired by, you can keep coming back to them and they say the same thing because they're very consistent. And, you know, everyone's looking for a silver bullet, and they're really successful, and they keep telling you the same silver bullet. And you're looking for all this other stuff, and they're going, no, no, here's the silver bullet. I don't think you've been focused enough on the silver bullet. But this is the silver bullet, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do it for a few months and then you come back and go, but what else? And they go, no, the silver bullet. But people don't obviously execute and follow. Correct, this, correct, right? correct. Well, that's as well. What is next for you as a human individual? Because you have been challenged all your life to keep growing. Mm. And we always do. And I think the second we stop growing as an individual, mm. I think it's end of, end of us. Mm. But what is next when it comes to yourself growing? Yeah, so, you know, we, we still want to be a significantly bigger business and that will come with, with new challenges as well to the scale and size. Um, and so what I've really enjoyed is that at DPE, Domino's Pizza Enterprises, we've actually been a global fast food leader in many different things that exist today that were invented by our business. And it's such a, um, uh, such a dynamic period in history right now. Where we're in an opportunity to keep reinventing the future, and I love that. That's and times are moving so fast. So fast. At the moment. So especially with technology. With technology, um, you know, with tastes of food and and expectations of the environment and and so on. So as long as I feel, for me, as long as I feel that I can be part of the team that reinvents that future, I'm I'm excited to be here because it feels like you're creating a life's work. You know, like I've done 35 years. If I can do at least another 15, it'd be fantastic, right? Um, I don't fear if, if at the end of the day, um, I start realizing I'm the square peg in a round hole here, that the business is changing and I'm the one holding it back. 
I have lots of, in the back of my mind, I'm often always thinking, oh, wow, what would it be like to create that business? Or if I went and bought that business and changed it, you know, like I might be shopping somewhere in a country and I go, oh, So your mind is always... Yeah. Thinking. And so I don't fear if my time ever expires. I don't want that to happen. But if it does, I'm pretty, in the back of my head, I've got another two or three ideas I'll jump on within a short period of time. If you were starting business again with knowledge you have today, what different things would you do? Yeah, um, once so again, even more. 35 years of knowledge yeah. in your head, these books should be yours. Mm. Some of it's discipline. You know, I, I think that um, when you get, there's been moments in our history where just because we could, we did, but it didn't mean we should. So we went into cloud kitchens before cloud kitchens was an idea where we thought, well, we've got all these domino stores. We have all this technology. Why don't we start serving a new brand called Sweet Treats? Yeah. And the domino stores are selling a different brand where we're selling desserts. And then we were doing some sort of chicken brand, uh, atomic chicken, um, or buffalo wings and different sauces and stuff. And we use a similar equipment, right? What it did is it took the team distraction and it complicated our business and our performance underperformed and we're, so, we're putting so much energy into those things and it, our performance went down during those periods. You know, or another one is that you know, there was a time when we thought, well, we shouldn't just stay in Domino's. Let's do coffee or let's do yeah. sandwiches and what, in other brands. Go and buy a US brand, take a global, whatever. Once again, in those moments, we spent so much time and energy, we were distracted. And when I've been able to rally with the team back to, okay, what are we? And for our BHAG, for 2030 right now is to be the dominant sustainable delivery QSR in every one of our markets. That means bigger than anybody else to deliver it, right? And in there, I get very inspired by that. There's three really, really big words. Number one, it says dominant. We've got to be number one, right? And in some places, we're not number one for, we may be biggest in pizza, but we may not be the biggest delivery company. Sustainable means all of, you know, from the profitability to the environment to being a good reason to exist, right? Better farming practices and so on. Um, and then delivery. It's very focused. Everything we dream at Domino's is to be delivered. Whether you're the customer picking it up and you're taking it home, so you're now the driver, or we're driving it to you, it's always delivered into your office or your home. It's not sitting in a restaurant around plates with knives and forks and dishwashers and you know restaurants, right? We have a couple of tables and chairs, but 95% of our business is delivered. So when I look at what really gets me out of bed in the morning is this whole the only thing we don't design is Coke or Pepsi that we may sell. Everything else is our product. And, and when we're dreaming it from the future of packaging to the future of the vehicles that are delivering, and we've got projects from, I'm sure you receptions from robots to other cool. Really impressive technology, even when you were signing in your office. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, making a statement very clear. But when, when we want to be the, we want to be the company that everybody looks at and goes, now that's how you deliver. That's how you deliver food. And there's things that are even on other business menus right now that were not designed to be delivered. And we've got projects to turn them into the world's first version of that that's delivered, that performs really well. And, and it marries into our whole, uh, you know, who we are with pizza and so on. But that's exciting, right? Like that, that, that's um, to be able to be that focused that blind. It's not like Laser we're saying, yeah, we're not trying to be the, um, what would be an example, the biggest QSR only, which quick service restaurant, right? No, we want to be the number one delivery because we also believe that's the booming industry for the next 10 years. You know, this is 50% of all retail be delivered. So actually by default, we may end up being the biggest fast food company by doing that. 
But it doesn't say that because that's actually, that's a secondary benefit, not the primary benefit. The primary benefit is just everybody in this business to know what does it look like when you deliver in under 10 minutes? You know, how do you design food in, that customers can build a billion variations with? So it's very customizable, but at the same time, it performs when it arrives. It's like, wow, that's like still eating it in the restaurant and yet it got delivered. Don, I think it's, it's very clear from anybody that will be watching this, you're so passionate. Mm. I feel like you, you, you probably think you're going to live another 6,000 years and you're going to work for another 5,000 because you're so passionate mm. about things you have been doing and things mm. you're going to do. And mm. you've been in a business for, for a long time now. Yep. Clearly, passion is one of the yes. biggest things for yep. any individual to have. And mm. I think when people say you got to do what you love doing, mm. you know, by talking to you, mm. the evidence is there. Yeah, you don't have conviction if you don't love it. The difference between doing a job because it's what you were trained to do in life and you, know, you did a degree and it's sort of something that it's what you do now. A lot of people do what they, it's like when I said earlier, you're in the business of running business. You're in the business of being an engineer. Congratulations. But what happens if you're one with conviction? What if you're one that wants to change the world in whatever the way that yes. is? What if you wanted to be one of the best? What if you're one of, your life will be so much better. Because you will, you'll be on a journey that's so much more enjoyable. It comes with pain too. Life has the biggest positives. The counter side of that will also have some of the biggest pain moments too. It it's, comes together. Life's just not going to be a bed of roses the whole time because you're passionate. You're and just going to have to move, keep moving forward. Exactly. And learn from those experiences. Why, why did we end up here? What mistakes did we make? Or what did the environment change that we didn't respond to? And, or was it you, know, you weren't giving enough attention to? Because it's not just your business, right? It's your family, your health. You know, like I talk about, to be a successful entrepreneur, always start with you. If you're not healthy, how can you possibly be good to your family? How can you possibly be good? You can't be your best self for your company. People's like, I eat a lot of pizza, and they say, you're lying, look at you. So What's you your favorite pizza? Pepperoni. It's my favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody in the office always, if you order 15 pizzas, it's eight pepperoni pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> buy the loaded pepperoni. Do you buy the loaded pepperoni? Yes, I do, actually. Yeah. The loaded pepperoni is and my favorite. And cheese, and I'm, I get everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, I had a cheesy crust. We had a banker in here today, and I was sitting, we had cheesy pepperoni. Um, and then I just did product development on, a, on another product. So more pizza. <laughs> more pizza, yeah. But now think about that. If you're eating a lot of pizza, how do you have balance to that? So when I'm not eating pizza, I'm eating a salad, a piece of fish. I'm working out in the mornings or sometimes even at night. Like, How important is to work out? Very important. It's, it's part of giving into the body of energy. Imagine if I was 25, 30 kilos heavier and I'm sitting back here much more like this and I'm tired today because it's been a long day already and my body's been carrying a lot of... And you're talking like an athlete, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if you, if you have that energy that, you know, my alarm clock, I sleep very well. So... I, go to, I put my head on the pillow and I fall asleep and then I wake up and when my alarm goes off, right? And that could be six hours or it could be nine hours. In fact, if it's been a really busy trip, it can even be 15 hours. Like it can just be like that, right? I'll sleep. Um, hit the road, get activity going, get the body moving, you know, get the right. For me, I love coffee, so I'm going to have a lot of black coffee in the morning uh, for, you know, for, for a number of hours. Um, and so you, I always think my version of balance is First responsibility is to be the best you can be mentally, physically. You know, are you reading a lot? Are you studying a lot? Are you listening to, to people that have talent? Um, you're also not going to be happy if, you're not, if you don't have a happy family. Whether you're married or not, there's people in your life that will be considered your family, right? All right. And how much do you, time are you giving back into the family? And 
Time isn't just only the number of hours, it's presence. Like I have a lot of friends who, who don't travel like me, but when I'm with them and their kids, they don't give them any time. If you're in presence with my child and my kids, they're going to be big focus of mine right now, you know, because I'm here and it's present. Because it's important to be present in the moment. Very, very important. And then, of course, your business and your last ones are your hobbies and passions outside of work. But that's my order, health, family, business, your hobbies. When you do all of that together, some people have faith too, right? I don't, for me, that's not one of my uh, priorities in my life. But because um, I'm an existentialist, it's a bit different, right? I'm wired differently. But whatever makes people happy, clearly. Yeah, but, but all of those, it's, it's that quality. A lot of people do quantity, quantity of enjoying their life, and then, then it's, they get sick. I'm you know, quality. yeah. One thing I will say that um, thank you for sharing your knowledge. You didn't even have to say yes to this interview. Um, uh, and clearly, you've got a lot to offer, and mm. we have all learned a lot from this. So I want to say thank you. It's been absolutely pleasure. My pleasure, and thank you for doing this as well. And I, it seems like a very good, positive, encouraging, you know, it's good that, as you said, you're going to inspire a lot of people on the journey you've taken, and the fact that you're doing it is you're meeting other people and adding to that story, so. Thank you. It's well done to you. Much. Thank and you. And congratulations on your success. Thank you very much.